This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 156 of the Catholic Foodie, Ash Wednesday, Lent, Fasting, and Pretzels. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we're talking about Lent. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. You know, just yesterday, we were celebrating Mardi Gras. <laughs> Funny how that works, you know. Every year, it's the same. Mardi Gras and then Ash Wednesday and Lent. You know, it just back-to-back. I, I can't figure it out. Who knows? We're going to have to get an expert on here to tell us how that works. I don't know. But anyway, from Fat Tuesday to Fat Pretzels, Carnival season and Mardi Gras are now over, and Lent is here. And, uh, you know, we've been, I've been posting some videos of Mardi Gras parades, the, uh, you know, just the past couple of days over at CatholicFoodie.com. And uh, we'll st- stay tuned right here, where food meets faith. That's right. I've been posting video from the parades. You know, we had, I mean, one parade after the other, it seems like. And the weather this year was kind of crazy. It was, uh, it was rainy. Uh, not, not ideal. It was not ideal. You know, we, we have down in New Orleans at least uh, two weeks worth of uh, parading going on. And uh, it's not, um, well, mostly on the weekends. There, there are some parades that run on Thursday nights, but, uh, and then, of course, once you hit that second weekend, it's the weekend right before Ash Wednesday, uh, we have that Sunday is the big, well, Saturday is big because you have Endymion rolling. Sunday is big because you've got Toth in the afternoon. You've got Bacchus, which is a huge parade, and it runs in the evening. And then Monday's big, too. Monday is traditionally known as Lundy Gras, right? Lundy Gras, it's Fat Monday. <laughs> Every day is fat, I guess, over here. But uh, Fat Monday, Lundy Gras, we have the Orpheus Parade, which was started, uh, golly, it, it was uh, probably, I don't know how long. I need, I need to look that up, but probably 10, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, it was a while, uh, because I, I can say that now, cause looking back, I'm, I'm getting old. But uh, it was started by uh, Harry Connick Jr. You may remember that name. He's a pretty famous uh, entertainer, musician. And uh, from New Orleans, he's about my age. He went to uh, Jesuit High School in New Orleans. Anyway, he started the Orpheus Parade, and uh, it's it's all kind of dedicated to, to celebrating music. And uh, it, I, I would have to say that it's probably one of the most uh, beautiful parades. I mean, the, the floats are just gorgeous, I mean, just just amazing. Uh, I mean, it, it is a feast for the eyes to watch. Uh, that that parade, uh, float after float, just incredible colors, the beauty, the the harmony, uh, with the theme itself. The theme being uh, music, right? Uh, just a, a an amazing uh, parade, to, very fun, lots of fun. Our kids love it. So we have been going to the Orpheus Parade in New Orleans on Lundy Gras for the last oh goodness, uh, the last handful of years. I think we've made that one, if not longer. Uh, we really love it. And this year, it rained on us. I mean, it wasn't bad. It, it rained for just a, a while. The streets uh, were were very wet because it had been raining uh, uh, overnight, and it had been for actually a few a few nights. Uh, but we didn't really get very wet. We had some ponchos, put those on, and then uh, the rain passed, and and that was it. It was it was fine. Uh, and then of course, uh, Mardi Gras day, we did not. It, it did rain. It rained a lot. So we, we changed our plans. We did not go across uh, uh, the lake to New Orleans to, um, to, to go to uh, Zulu and Rex. We did not do that this year. And we, we regret it because 
<laughs> it's, I mean, this it happens only once a year, right? So rain or shine, that, that, that it, the parades are going to roll. You might as well be there. If you're not there, you you lose it for a year. You know, we didn't go and we sat around at home. Uh, we went to a small parade here in, in Covington, but after that, we got back to the house and we're like, man, we're kind of bummed. We, <laughs> we're getting shortchanged here on, uh, on Mardi Gras Day because we didn't go across the lake. So uh, we will definitely keep that in mind for next year. But my point is this. My point is uh, I had a camera with me uh, at all the parades that we attended, and uh, I shot some video and, and posted that over at CatholicFoodie.com. So if you have not yet seen that, if you haven't seen uh, what a Mardi Gras parade is like, and I'm not talking about what you see on MTV, and I'm not talking about what you see in the the, the news media. Uh, typically, they like to portray the um, uh, really just one street in one area of Mardi Gras, right? One 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 street in one little area for the French Quarter, Bourbon Street, French Quarter, is just one little area of a big city, right? A big city, and and. The stuff that goes on down there is crazy. Yes, it is. But I have to wonder how how much uh, fuel the media itself has thrown on that fire to make it crazy. Uh, but we don't go down. Nobody in their right mind goes down there on Mardi Gras, okay? <laughs> uh, Mardi Gras traditionally is a family celebration. It, it was all about family. The parades, it was all about family. And so we're we're in the areas when the, with the parades, uh, uptown area mainly, where the parades are rolling, and it's just it's tons of families. They got folks out there with um, portable like look those, those tents and and and, and grills and uh, all kind of stuff cooking. They're they're having a fun time. They're having a, a a lot of fun with their families and friends, right there on the streets for the 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 biggest free show in the world, right? Free show. Uh, that Mardi Gras doesn't cost a penny, at least to go, and um, it's, it's just a lot of fun. So I, I've been taking video, shooting video of that, and posting it, and I updated that uh, as I went from one parade to the next. One day to the next, I would update the videos. If you haven't seen it, go over to uh, catholicfoodie.com. I think it's uh, titled Mardi Gras 2013. If you just search, if, it's, if you're listening to this later, and it's during Lent, and you, you want to go back and see what the parades were like, uh, just do a search for Mardi Gras, and it'll be the first thing that pops up. So, um, But anyway, I do have—I um, I really enjoy being able to share that. I, I love going to the parades. I enjoy being able to share that as well. But guess what? Carnival season and Mardi Gras now over. <laughs> Lent is here. Lent is here. Today is Ash Wednesday. And, uh, you know, that's a good thing. That is a good thing. Life is full of seasons, and there's a time for everything, as the Bible says. And we turn now uh, from our revelry and rejoicing to face our own shortcomings and sinfulness and to acknowledge our deep need for a Savior. You know, Lent is a penitential season often associated with fasting and abstinence. Uh, But fasting and abstinence are not the only things that Lent is about. Uh, Lent is really about conversion. It's about renewing and living out our baptism. Our focus during Lent shouldn't be on giving up candy or coffee or booze. Rather, our our focus should be on interior conversion, conversion of the heart. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving can be tools to help us in our conversion. At the same time, our interior conversion will yield 
fruitful actions of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. It's kind of cyclical how that works, right? It's kind of a, a, a cycle there. And Lent is a great time to establish, if we haven't already, or even reestablish if we have uh, let some of that go in our daily lives, the habits of a follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm talking specifically about the habits that uh, Jesus mentions in the gospel of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, because we're all called to that. And speaking of fasting and abstinence, do you know, when you think about it, you got to stop and think about it, that fasting is not an end in itself? We, we don't fast for fasting's sake. And we don't fast to lose weight either. <laughs> fasting is not an end in itself. It's, it's a tool. It's a practice. Fasting is supposed to help us to empty ourselves, both physically and spiritually, so as to better focus on God. You know, when I was young and uh, perhaps a little idealistic, I believed that fasting had to be rigorous. You know, you had to suffer, right? I, I had to, I had to suffer when I, when I, uh, when I fasted, and uh, I, I had to, uh, you know, I fast on bread and water, and and maybe just eat just a little bit of bread. You know, I mean, it was, it had to be painful, because that's, I guess, the way it was for me when I was young and idealistic. Yeah, you know, that's that's what I saw. And interestingly enough. I was all too ready to criticize anybody else who didn't fast like me. Now, what does that sound like? <laughs> can you say pride? Yes, even religious folks can be prideful, right? Especially, I think, sometimes religious folks. And uh, pride is very sneaky, very sneaky. And if you're trying to be a saint, you know, there's lots of uh, room there for the devil to, 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 to trip you up in your own pride. So, but here's the, de- here's the deal. And and I was uh, it's it's amazing when you stop and you actually read these official rules on fasting. But when you look at the official rules on fasting uh, for for the U.S., I'm talking about the United States here, because every uh, uh, country, every um, uh, conference of bishops can can change things. They can make certain things um, okay for Lent and and other things not. And I'll give you an example. You know, in here in the United States, we cannot have fowl. We can't have chickens or, or birds, anything like that, uh, on Fridays in Lent. That's, that's believed to be meat. But there are places in the world where that's not considered meat, believe it or not. It's, it's different. So, you know, uh, individual bishop conferences can make those determinations. So I'm talking specifically right now just about the United States because that's where I'm from. Uh, when you look at the official rules for fasting in the U.S., you, you see that fasting is not that difficult at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, there are only two days out of the year that we're required to fast, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. And you actually still get to eat when you're fasting. <laughs> I mean, you think about it. You're supposed to have, what, one full meal you can have, and then two, I don't know, you can call it what you want to call it, but two snacks or two smaller meals that don't equal together the same as a big meal, as a, as a one meal, you know? Um so it's not that hard. That's not very difficult. And I love this quote, by the way, from Pope Benedict uh, XVI, denying material food which nourishes our body, nurtures an interior disposition to listen to Christ and be fed by his saving word. 
Through fasting and praying, we allow him to come and satisfy the deepest hunger that we experience in the depths of our being, the hunger and thirst for God. So that was uh, Pope Benedict. Wonderful. I love that. And it also kind of takes the focus off of me, right, this quote, and it puts it where it's supposed to be, which is on God, you know, because if I'm worried about, oh, I've got to feel pain, I I have to suffer, you know, I can only do bread and water, I can't have anything else, it, sometimes if I, if I do just that, I'm focused on me, and, it, and my fasting then becomes about me and not really about God, where what I should be doing is just surrendering my day to God and, and seeking Him and, and leaving the rest of it. I mean, trying to follow the, the church's uh, uh, teachings here, the, the, the rules of, of what I'm supposed to do on days of fasting and abstinence, but to do it selflessly instead of doing it selfishly, which is so easy to do, believe it or not. Just so easy to be selfish on fast days. Got to do it my way. Got to do it my way, you know. Not the church. The church isn't hard enough for me. Got to do it my way. But perhaps less attention on a rigorous fast and more attention on the interior quality of fasting will help me to grow in my relationship with God and with my family and those that I encounter throughout the day. And I think that's what it's really all about. huh? Now, I mentioned a moment ago the church's official regula- uh, regulations on fasting and abstinence, and here are the regulations on uh, for the United States. It's taken from the, uh, from U- the well, usccb.org, which is the, uh, the U.S. Bishop's website. Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are obligatory days of universal fast and abstinence. Fasting is obligatory for all who have completed their 18th year and have not yet reached their 60th year. Fasting allows a person to eat one full meal. Two smaller meals may be taken not to equal one full meal. Abstinence from meat is obligatory for all who have reached their 14th year. If possible, the the fast on Good Friday is continued until the Easter Vigil on Holy Saturday night. If possible, right? as the Paschal Fast to honor the suffering and death of our Lord Jesus and to prepare ourselves to share more fully and to celebrate more readily His resurrection. Fridays and Lent are obligatory days of complete abstinence from meat for all who have completed their 14th year. So those are the official regulations. We're going to dig deep. Well, not really deep, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're going to dig a little bit deeper into that in, a, in the, the next uh, episode or two of The Catholic Foodie. Uh, we've got some stuff coming up, and, and it's going to lend itself to, um, to that, that to kind of deepening that discussion. So we'll talk more about that soon. And we're going to take a break right here just for a second, and uh, I'll be back in a moment to talk with you about Linton pretzels. Where did the pretzel come from? What is that all about? We'll talk about that in just a moment spare ten dollars to bring some spiritual support to pregnant moms catholicmom.com and ave maria press have partnered to provide copies of a catholic mother's companion to pregnancy to pregnancy centers across the united states every ten dollar donation sponsors a book to be sent to the pregnancy centers our aim with this lenten project is to benefit women with the guidance and companionship of the book and encourage them to walk with mary i hope you'll prayerfully consider joining us you can learn more at catholicmom.com. All right, the pretzels, Linton pretzels. You know, I mean, I never really thought about this when I was growing up. 
um, you know, that lint and pretzels are connected, but they are. You know, they are. And how are pretzels and lint connected? You know, as the story goes, the pretzel is in the shape of arms folded in prayer. Now, you probably have to turn the pretzel upside down from what we're used to looking at to see that. But arms folded in prayer, that's the uh, the shape of the pretzel. And and pretzels can be a wonderful way to teach children the value of prayer during Lent. You know, letting them come into the kitchen to help you to make the pretzels can be a wonderful way to teach children also the value of family and of working together. Uh, we discovered this recipe a few years ago. We've been making Lenten pretzels over, uh, ever since. They're perfect for days of fasting and abstinence, and uh, they're also delicious. <laughs> These pretzels have made my children, particularly my girls, uh, very popular with their friends at church and at gymnastics. You know, during Lent, they like to make these pretzels and share them with their friends at gymnastics. And uh, my girls are now uh, 11 and 12, I believe. And so they are able to go into the kitchen. I think even last year they did this. They went in the kitchen by themselves and they make the pretzels, uh, which is just a, it's a delight for me to see. I love it. You know, they're they're taking responsibility, they're working together, they're doing something that they really enjoy because they, they, they love to make the pretzels, and they're also sharing it with their friends uh, at gymnastics, and uh, they do gymnastics uh, three times a week, and so during Lent, we, we end up making a lot of pretzels. <laughs> it's funny, you know, during um, during the, the carnival season, my, my girls are known for king cakes, and then in Lent, everybody's asking, well, you going to bring some pretzels? <laughs> Oh, don't you just love cooking? Cooking is so good. Cooking, loving to cook makes you popular. Loving to cook, uh, people like to be with you. <laughs> you know, you, you make a lot of friends uh, through cooking. So anyway, I think I just, I'm, I'm just delighted with them. I'm delighted that they do this. And uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So what do you need for these uh, pretzels? Now we do have, I do have uh, pictures, by the way, the pretzels up on, uh, on the website over at catholicfoodie.com, you can go and, and take a look. These pretzels are not small. They're not the kind you get at the store in these little bags, right? These are big pretzels, and they, they're pretty they're pretty filling, too. Uh, for these pretzels, you need one and a half cups of lukewarm water. And when I say lukewarm, it needs to be about 110 degrees Fahrenheit. And that's because uh, you do use yeast in this recipe, and you want to, uh, you don't want to, if the water is too hot, it'll kill the yeast, and you don't want to do that. Because if the yeast die, then there's no fermentation. There's not going to be any rising of of the dough. So you have to um, keep that water at about 110, 110 degrees Fahrenheit. We use a tablespoon of honey, one uh, pack of dry yeast, which is about two and a quarter teaspoons of active dry yeast, uh, two cups of all-purpose flour. Uh, we we prefer Kerrygold, uh, King not Kerrygold. That's the butter we like, but King Author flour. And then two cups of white whole wheat flour, also from King Arthur. Uh, I'll, we love this combination of the all-purpose flour and the white whole wheat flour, both from King Arthur. We love this combination. Now, you don't have to do it that way. Matter of fact, if, if all you have available, because King Arthur is not everywhere, but if all you have available is um, uh, all-purpose or, or better for bread or, or something like that, by all means, use it. And just use four cups of that, okay? But uh, if you're able to get the King Author, we do love that uh, two cups all-purpose and two cups white whole wheat. All right. Uh, you need a teaspoon of kosher salt. And um, also, uh, you need a nest for the, 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 the dough itself, right? A teaspoon of kosher salt. But you also need 
some coarse salt, and we, we use that kosher salt too, some coarse salt for topping the pretzels as they go into the oven. You salt the pretzels, each individual one, as you put it into the oven. And then also we need one egg beaten. All right, so here's what you do. You want to take the honey and the water and combine them. You want to stir that the honey into it so it combines really well. And again, about 110 degrees. Um, and then you you take the yeast, you put that in there, and you stir it until it's dissolved. And then you add the wa- the salt into that water and, and, and stir until it's dissolved. And then finally, what you want to do in a big glass bowl, we've got a big mixing bowl, we add the flour, and we want to kind of blend the water, pour the water in and kind of blend it with a fork until the dough begins to pull away from the bowl. Then you want to lay it out on a hard surface and knead it until it's smooth. Now, for the first time, for the first time today, we have done this recipe with a, um, a stand mixer because I got one for Christmas. <laughs> so we did it today with a stand mixer. You can do that. It's wonderful. You just add everything in. Uh, you know, you add the, the flour into the stand mixer first, and then after you have mixed the, the yeast and the, 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 uh, uh, the water and the honey and the salt all together, then you can pour that in and then mix it well. And let it knead, you know, in the in the mixer, in the stand mixer. It's really awesome. I, I love my new little toy. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so anyway, what you want to do is you want to knead it till it's smooth. Then you pull it out. You're going to cut it into pieces. And really, we just kind of tear chunks off, right? It's about the size of the palm of your hand. And you're going to row each of the roll. I'm sorry, not row. That, that's a boat. You row a boat. But this is going to be a, a pretzel, so you're going to roll it. You roll each piece into ropes by hand. And that's going to be about, roughly about 18 inches. And you practice with a couple of them and see if you get it, you know, if you can get it right. Uh, You roll them out into ropes, just kind of back and forth with your hand uh, on a hard surface. And you, you, um, you just want to make sure you get it, get it to about 18 inches and then twist that into the standard pretzel shapes. And uh, you'll see pictures over at catholicfoodie.com for that. What you do after that, because you got a lot of tearing and a lot of rolling to do, it's a it's a lot of dough. Uh, it, it makes a lot of a lot of pretzels. I wish I would have taken account as to how many pretzels we make out of this one recipe, but I, I don't recall right now. So I'll have to check that out. Maybe put it in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com. But uh, at that point, what you want to do is you you put them all onto a baking stone or or something for your oven, and then you brush each each pretzel. You brush it with uh, the beaten egg. All right, after you have beaten that egg, you just kind of brush it lightly and then sprinkle each pretzel with salt. You bake it at 425 for 12 to 15 minutes or until golden. And uh, boy, you, they're, they're delicious. You have to enjoy it moderately, right? Because it is Lent after all. I mean, these are good, but you got to be moderate. <laughs> and again, if you, um, if you, just for the ease, yeah, I know you, you're probably not listening to this and writing everything down, but uh, it, the recipe is over at catholicfoodie.com. You can just look there for Lenten recipes or just search for pretzels, and you'll, you'll find it right there. And we'll, we'll be back in just a moment. CRS Rice Bowl for Lent for Life. Your participation makes the work of Catholic Relief Services possible. 
Here are three simple ways that you can make a difference. Pray. Remember our brothers and sisters around the world in your prayers this Lent. Fast. What you give up for Lent can change lives. Give. Donate the dollar value of your Lenten sacrifices to help families in need. Thank you for joining CRS Rice Bowl this Lent. Get involved at crsricebowl.org. I love Rice Bowl. I do. <laughs> I can't help it. You know, I've been doing the, the Rice Bowl thing since I was just a, a little kid, you know. And I remember that way back when. It used to be called Operation Rice Bowl. And, uh, you know, for years and years, uh, that was part of my Lenten observance. I mean, it just it has been. And I'm so excited that now it, it's a part of my children's Lenten observance, too. You know, tomorrow I will feature a special recipe from the CRS Rice Bowl website. Uh, they, they, uh, they contacted me and asked me to, to help to promote uh, the Rice Bowl this year, which was a tremendous honor for me. I, I was so excited. And um, they allowed me, as part of that, to, uh, to publish one of their recipes and, uh, and then to, to kind of share my own variation of it. So that's what we have coming to the website tomorrow, coming to uh, catholicfoodie.com tomorrow. Uh, but until then, take a look at uh, this sample explanation of how the CRS Rice Bowl can help you and your family celebrate Lent this year. Uh, I love the slogan. The slogan is, CRS Rice Bowl brings Lent to life. Uh, CRS Rice Bowl is a Lenten faith formation program that helps us, helps us to live in solidarity with the poor and vulnerable around the world. We pray to reflect on what type of person we're called to be. We fast to remove the things that get between us and God and to remember those without enough to eat. And then we give, we give to honor Jesus' call to serve those in need. So that is just, mm, I love it, fantastic. Uh, you can find more about the CRS Rice Bowl uh, over at their website, crsricebowl.com. That's Catholic Relief Services, crsricebowl.org. I'm sorry, .org. You can find more information over there. Uh, or again, over at catholicfoodie.com. I've got that special post coming out tomorrow. And uh, I've, got, I've got a little recipe cooked up over there for you. So be sure to check that one out. And uh, that's it for today, folks. That is it. Thank you so much for being with me today. Ash Wednesday. I hope you got your ashes today. Uh, we are starting this, this, this next phase, right, this next season in our, in our faith, which is Lent. And I've got some good Lenten recipes coming your way. Uh, lots of good stuff over at CatholicFoodie.com and encouragement and inspiration to get into the kitchen with your family and to cook and to, uh, to really enjoy those meals around the family table. More of all that good stuff over at CatholicFoodie.com. And until next time, bon appétit.